Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com and ADC Media, producers of fine Catholic programming like Light of the East, and supplier of imaging, underwriting announcements, and promos for Catholic podcasts and radio stations. Inquire at ADC Media 128 at Outlook.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyer, your host. We have a special guest on our program today. His name is Christopher West. Many of you may have heard of him or heard him speak or maybe read his many books and essays and so on. Christopher is the president of the Theology Body Institute, and he is here to tell us about a very special opportunity for all of you. And I have to admit, I am privileged, humbled to be a part of this opportunity. Christopher, welcome to our program. Thank you, Father Loy. It's great to be with you and your listeners. Tell us a little about yourself, first of all, then we'll get to what it is you're up to with this very special opportunity. Sure, yes. Uh, well, of, of all that I do in life, I have to say I'm most proud to say I'm a devoted husband to my wife, Wendy, of 24 years, and our, we have five beautiful children from age 22 down to age 11, so that's my primary vocation. My primary mission in life is to love and serve them, and flowing out from that, I've given my life, as you have, Father Loya, to spreading John Paul II's marvelous, life-changing, reorienting theology of the body. I first discovered John Paul's teaching in 1993, and I knew I was holding something in my hands as big as the cure for cancer, and I knew then I'd spend the rest of my life studying it and sharing it with others, and the Lord has opened the doors to allow me to do that. Christopher, I can't believe you're going to be married, you're going to be celebrate your 25th wedding anniversary next year already. Next year will be 25 years, yeah. You have a 22-year-old yeah. child? Or, oh my, <laughs> I, I, I remember when you were the young prodigy, the young, the young theosophy prodigy. Hey, I, I, I turned 50 uh, in, in a couple weeks, so yeah, I'm feeling old. Well, Christopher, you, you turned 50 going on 20, believe me. 
<laughs> you, you still got it. I mean, I can't believe you're you're that age. I mean, you're not old, but my goodness, I always associate with that young guy that I I first heard on a tape one day. I was driving in my car. I popped in these tapes called Naked Without Shame, and I thought to myself, who is this young guy that really, really gets it? <laughs> and, and it was you. Yeah. And you're still and that, that guy. You're still that guy that gets it, and I'm so glad you're doing what you do around the world so that the world gets this message. And in fact, speaking about going around the world, you are going to lead us around the world, aren't you? And you're coming with me, Father. We are <laughs> leading a pilgrimage together to the Holy Land, February 15th to the 25th of 2020. It's going to be a life-changing experience. You were saying to me before we started recording, you've already been to the Holy Land twice. I've never been myself. And, and tell, tell the listeners what you shared with me. I, as I said to you, and I'll say to all the listeners, every Christian should make a pilgrimage to the Holy Lands. That's what the church did, you know, over the centuries. That's what the Crusades were about. The Crusades were the church trying to, again, get retrieve that access to the Holy Lands so people could make these pilgrimages. And believe me, once you go there, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. You'll see that, yeah, I, we all have to make it to the Holy Lands at least once in our lifetime. You know, one of the, one of the reasons I really want to go is because, I mean, there's so many reasons, but I remember 25 years ago, I was sitting in the classroom when I was in graduate school, and I was at the feet of the late Monsignor Lorenzo Albacetti, and he became a dear friend and mentor to me over over the next 20 years before he died. And uh, sitting there at his feet, I remember him saying, he he was a chain smoker, so in between puffs of cigarettes, (laughs) he would say, and he spoke with a, a kind of thick Puerto Rican accent, he said, the scandal of the hick. And I was like, what is he talking about? The scandal... Of the hick, and he was quoting the Latin verbum caro factum est hic, <laughs> yeah. means the word was made flesh here. Hick, hick is Latin for here. Yes. Candle of the reality that God, the infinite, the almighty, the omnipresent, picked a particular moment in history and place on the planet. The scandal of the here, the scandal of the hick, the Holy Land, this is where it happened. And he spoke with such awe and wonder at this scandal of the Incarnation that, that we profess, you know, around the world. But if the Incarnation is real, it means that it really happened somewhere on this planet, a specific time and a specific place. And 2,000 years later, we're going back to that specific place to walk the very ground that our Savior walked on, to see where he lived, to, to be where he preached, to be where he was crucified, and to be where he rose from the dead, to be in these places. The whole reality speaks to the theology of the human body, right? The scandal of our incarnate reality. And I think that's what's unique about our particular approach, Father, yours and mine, leading this pilgrimage, is we're really taking people on a pilgrimage of their own interior life to reconnect body and soul. Maybe, maybe, can you un- help unpack that a little bit also? Yes, can you, I, I think to myself, Christopher, you know, the spousal mystery, as John Paul II taught us, the fundamental element of human existence, the whole spousal mystery, which is that incarnation you're talking about, it, it, it had to start somewhere. And this is a spot where it started, where heaven met earth, was on this <laughs> specific spot. 
And that's where we're going. And that's why you're connecting it with the work that you do. In other words, why you? Why are you going? Other than the fact that you're a Christian, you want to follow the footsteps of Christ. But you're doing it also because of your work and appreciation in this incarnate mystery, this spousal mystery, the theology of the body. Yeah, I, I love St. Augustine's expression that the womb of the Virgin became the bridal chamber yes. where the marriage of heaven and earth is consummated. And, and if we really want to, as Christians, not just believe that as an idea, but encounter it in a life-changing way, I can't think of a better thing to do than to go to the very place where that marriage was consummated, the very specific spot on the globe where it happened. That brings it all home, the reality of incarnation. It, it really does. You're going to be so, so thrilled, Christopher, when you're there, be, be precisely because of your appreciation of this spousal mystery, the incarnation. It's Again, for the listeners, this is, trip is going to happen. It's going to be Saturday through Tuesday. This is 2020. It's coming up soon. February 15th to the 25th. Now, to find out about this trip and to register, Christopher, they can go to tobpilgrimages.com, correct? That's right, tobpilgrimages.com. They can also call 800-842-4842, 800-842-4842. And Christopher, who else is helping to lead this tour? are one of the chaplains, Father Loya, and we have also Father Justin Brady, who will be our second chaplain, and other members of our team are Bill Howard from the Theology of the Body Institute and Jason Clark from the Theology of the Body Institute. Uh, all together, we will be leading the pilgrims through this beautiful tour of the land of the Incarnation. Christopher, the, whenever we go to the Holy Lands, there's so much to see there, and basically, Holy Land tours they're kind of, in a sense, divided in terms of which one to see between north and south, kind of like the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And what are we going to see on this pilgrimage? Well, we're, we're, going on to, we're going to, obviously, to all the spots you would expect to go to. We're going to go to Bethlehem. We're going to go to the place where, where we're going to go to Nazareth. We're going to go to the tomb. We're going to go to Calvary. We're going to go to the, where Christ preached the Sermon on the Mount. All of the the spots that you would say, you know, what are you going to do in the Holy Land? You're going to go to these places. We're going to go to, obviously, all the places you would expect to go. But we're going to go with a particular emphasis on this encounter with the incarnate reality and the spousal mystery, as you were saying, Father. And what I'm particularly excited about, I was so thrilled when you said you are able to join us, because you will bring with you the light of the East. Yes. And, and the whole... You know, we need one another. We need to breathe with both lungs, as John Paul II said, but the Holy Land itself is in the East. And there's, you've spoken about this. I've heard you speak of the significance that all the world's great religions started in the East. Can you shine a little bit of light on that? Yes, that's where it all started. That's the, the sort of the home base, the womb, the mother of all of our faiths, and our Christian faith especially. This is where it happened, where it all started. Yes, it went throughout the whole world. You know, it's not just supposed to be for one location. It's supposed to be for all times, all culture, all people. But here it happened. Just to give you an example, we're going to see the Jordan River, right? That'll be in the yeah. in the tour. In the in the liturgy of the church, whenever we consecrate water, holy water in the church, and for us in the Eastern churches, we do it on January sixth. It's a huge, huge feast day. We call it the Theophany or the Baptism of Christ. That water through the liturgy, through the prayer of the priest, the calling down of the Holy Spirit, the water that's in our churches 
is sitting in the church, wherever our church is in America, imagine that, that water through the liturgy becomes the Jordan water that we're going to look at when we're actually there. Can you, can you imagine? We're going to see, talk about the incarnation, how the, the invisible is made visible through the physical. We're going to see and stand at the Jordan waters where Christ entered into, the, into that water and was baptized, sanctifying that water, sanctifying all water. And yet, through the miracle of the church, the church's liturgy, the, the mystical reality, we actually partake of that water in our very own churches. It's just incredible. Astounding. And I, I once heard someone tell me, and I looked it up and, and verified it, that the Jordan River Valley is the deepest valley on planet Earth, below sea level. Yes. And that is so significant that Christ was plunged there, that the, the, power, <laughs> the power of the divine coming to Earth, he went into its deepest place yes. to impregnate the very material reality of the Earth and the waters of the Earth with this divine, life-giving power. <laughs> everything, everything he did, so purposeful, so ingeniously planned. Well, once again, this is Christopher West from the Theology Body Institute, and he's leading a pilgrimage to the Holy Lands. That's in the year 2020, coming up, February 15th to the 25th. To find out more about it, we'll be talking with Christopher Moore between now and then. You'll also hear more about it on our programs. But go to T-O-B, that stands for Theology of the Body, T-O-B Pilgrimages, that's plural, T-O-B Pilgrimages.com, or call 800-842-4842. Christopher, thank you so much for being on the program today, for leading this pilgrimage, and especially for all that you have done are doing and hopefully will do for many, many years to come in the work of the Theology of the Body. Thank you, Father. God willing, I'll, I'll give my dying breath to this cause. I can't think of doing anything more important with my life, and I'm honored to be able to do it. Thanks so much. You've touched and changed so many lives, and at the number of which you'll only know when, hopefully, you make it to heaven. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Th- thanks that. for everything, Christopher. God bless you. Peace, Father. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. I'm Father Thomas Loya, inviting you to join the 2020 Theology of the Body Institute on the ultimate pilgrimage, walking and praying in the footsteps of Jesus. Join myself, Christopher West, Father Justin Brady, Jason Clark, and the TOB team as we visit Jerusalem, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the Via Della Rosa, Bethlehem, and more. The 2020 TLB Institute's Holy Lands Pilgrimage, Saturday, February 15th through Tuesday, February 25th, 2020, with an optional extension to Jordan, February 25th through the 27th. While you're on the 2020 TLB Pilgrimage, you'll have first-class hotel accommodations, air-conditioned tour buses, breakfast, and daily dinner, plus special meals, daily formation with Christopher West and chaplains. For complete information and registration for the 2020 TLB Institute's Holy Land Pilgrimage, Visit TOBPilgrimages.com. That's TOBPilgrimages.com. Or call 1-800-842-4842. Reserve now. You're, you're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. 
the Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. You heard in the first part of the program, Christopher West and myself talking about the incarnation, this incarnational dimension that is central to our faith, and which, of course, occurred, at least on earth, occurred and began in that spot that we know as the Holy Lands, the Middle East. The Eastern churches, through their liturgy, through their mysticism, and their monasticism, are very, very much an incarnational church. The Latin rite is, too, as well. I mean, the whole Catholic, the whole Christian thing really is incarnational. Just there's a particular way that is, it is emphasized in the Eastern churches, especially in their liturgy. In the Byzantine liturgy, there's a point early on in liturgy, and they're in the first part of liturgy, which is called the anarchsis or the gatherings. So that's what's happening during the first part of the liturgy or even of the Mass. It's a process of gathering. So that's, it's kind of like this bell curve where there's a rising action, the climactic moment being the Eucharist itself, and then afterwards, a sort of a coming out of that climactic moment. Think of it as a bell curve, almost like the shape of a roller coaster. It rises up, there's the climactic moment, then it comes down. But it does so gradually on both ends. And it's not like a roller coaster, meaning it goes fast. It means that it's the same kind of shape, that bell curve. Well, during the Anarchists, during the gathering part of the liturgy, the divine liturgy, especially in the Byzantine rite, at a certain point, the priest takes the gospel book, and it's on the altar, and the priest is at the altar, facing the altar, you know, ad orientum, facing east, and he goes in procession from the altar with the servers and deacons, and if there are concelebrating priests, they go in procession. The priest carrying the gospel book is going to be last in the procession while everyone else goes in front of him. So they go around the altar through the icon screen doors. That would be the north doors, the deacon doors. See, there's three sets of doors on the icon screen, which separates the nave from the sanctuary. So the procession goes through that door from the sanctuary, and it goes through the congregation. And depending on the parish, the practice, it can weave itself through the entire congregation, or it can just go, well, maybe halfway or even less. Why is this happening? Well, this is actually a remnant of what was a much bigger, grand procession that occurred outside. Really, what happened was, in the early days of the church, especially in the Eastern churches, you would have liturgy at a designated church on that Sunday, and everyone around the town and the city would come to that church. So what they would do is they would, in a sense, they would gather one another en route to church together by singing these psalms, which we call antiphons. It's almost like a cadence like you hear in the military during boot camp, you know, where the soldiers say one thing and the other soldiers answer back. It's sort of a cadence that they march to. It's something like that. It's the antiphons that go back and forth between the people as they are walking en route to the church, the designated church where there will be the liturgy that day. 
Well, once they enter the church, that anarchist, that gathering theme through the liturgy, through the chants, through the words that are being prayed, which are largely from the scripture, that continues on. So what's happening is at that point, there's an entrance into the church. And in the Eastern churches, the priest would enter with the people. It wouldn't be as we're sometimes accustomed to where the people are already in church and then the clergy march in, they process in. During the early centuries, the people and the priest would enter together. And later on, this was in the 6th century, the Emperor Justinian of the Byzantine Empire actually composed a hymn that is used as part of that entrance. And that's why the priest carries the gospel book, because you hold things up in a procession. You hold up certain banners, a processional cross, candles, and also a gospel book, because this is what people see. You know, you hold things up because in a procession, you know, sometimes you can't see in front of you or over people's heads. So they would hold things up so you, you would know where the beginning of the procession was, where it was leading. So you could fall in line and go along with the procession. So the deacon or priest would hold the gospel book up in this procession as they entered into the church. Now that procession is very, very truncated. It's very, very small. It just takes place within the church itself of varying lengths, depending on the parish. It's no longer a procession that started from the outside in the villages gathering people together. So the liturgy has a remnant of what was once a grand and much more public procession. See, that's the case with a lot of things that happen in the liturgy today are remnants of what was once something much more involved or elaborate. So over time, it gets condensed for various reasons. So as the priest enters with the gospel book, the people are singing this hymn composed by Justinian all the way back in the 6th century. It's called the Hymn of the Incarnation. So this shows you how important, how central the incarnational dimension is, especially in the liturgies of the Eastern churches. And the words to that that the people are singing are this, O only begotten Son and Word of God, who, being immortal, deigned for our salvation to become incarnate of the holy Theotokos and ever-Virgin Mary, and became man without change. You were also crucified, O Christ our God, and by death have trampled death, being one of the Holy Trinity, glorified with the Father and the Holy Spirit, save us. Now, these words, as you noticed, are typical of the prayer in the Byzantine church, especially in the liturgy. They're very dogmatic. In other words, we sing, and essentially we're singing what we believe. They're not just hymns that are reverent. That's okay. We do have those as well, as many churches and denominations do. But what's characteristic of the Byzantine liturgy is that it proclaims the reality of the Incarnation through dogmatic hymns. For instance, when we said, Only begotten Son and Word of God, who being immortal, deigned for our salvation, and it goes on and on, it's basically proclaiming or describing everything about God, everything that's essential, and especially about the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, who became incarnate. O only begotten Son and Word of God, who being immortal, deigned for our salvation to become incarnate. Now, during that procession, or just before it, around the time of that procession, the priest is saying a prayer quietly. That prayer is, Lord, our Master and God, who established orders and armies of angels and archangels for the service of your glory in heaven, make this our entrance, an entrance of holy angels, 
concelebrating with us and glorifying your goodness. For to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is due all glory, honor, and worship now and ever and forever. Amen. Once again, the prayers are saying something dogmatic, but they're also describing something that's happening at that moment in the liturgy. You see, in the liturgy, or in the Western Church, the Mass, when we enter into the liturgy of the Mass, what we're doing is we're literally taking our positions alongside the angels in heaven and joining them in the ongoing liturgy in heaven. That's why the priest prays during this procession, O Lord and Master of God, who established orders and armies of angels and archangels for the service of your glory, make this our entrance, an entrance of holy angels concelebrating with us. See, it's, a, it's not just a pious thing, it's a literal thing, literally describing what is going on in the liturgy, that we mystically represent the cherubim, we become part of that angelic choir in heaven, of that ongoing liturgy. Heaven and earth meet in the liturgy. The liturgy is so incredibly, so fully, so intrinsically incarnational, as is our entire faith. And it's the liturgy of the church that really immerses us in the tangible reality of the incarnation. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Leia on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Bishop Robert Barron on the priesthood. For the first thousand years, there were married priests within the church. There still are married priests under certain circumstances, you know, so it's not absolutely necessary. However, I'm a supporter of it, and I wouldn't want us to move in the direction of kind of a, hey, you know, optional, some do it, some don't. I get it. And I, I go back to Paul, and it's Paul's words that are actually in the ordination ritual, you know, about an undivided life, undivided life, a total gift. I have nothing but the greatest respect for married people. In fact, when I hear the term heroic sanctity, when they talk about saints, I think of parents right away, you know, who give themselves to their kids. But there's something, I think, pure and simple and undivided about the life of celibacy. It's a radical conformity unto the celibate Christ. Why am I celibate? My ultimate answer, because Jesus was, and I'm conformed to him. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!